Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. Just say no to family values. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon. Welcome to Wax Poetic once again here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm one of your hosts today, R.C. Weslowski. And I'm your other host, Pamela Bentley. And we have in studio our guest this afternoon, Rob Taylor. Hi, Rob. Hello. Very nice to have you here. You safely traveled from Port Moody. All the way from Port Moody. And uh, looking very nice with a new haircut. Yes, I'm glad you noticed. I did it just for the radio. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, so we'll get you to kick things off with a poem, please. Well, I was saving this for that exciting point in our banter where we mentioned that I had a haircut. Oh, well, we just did. <laughs> it's a, it's it happened a, early. It's a big event for a poet. You know, you have to... I, I feel like I teach a little now, and I feel like the only thing I want to teach people is how to spend almost no money so you can survive. Yeah. Which they don't teach in an MFA, I've learned. Um, so one of them is you only have a haircut, like, once every six months at most, and you just go full wildebeest for a while. So I wrote a poem at one point about haircuts is the point. Mm-hmm. So I'll read you my haircut poem. It's also my new father poem. So those are my two big activities right now. It's called Success. My barber's left hand, light on the side of my head, steadies yet another man, makes of my usual blur in passing reflections the corners of my car's rear view, a figure, a face, new lines, deeper lines, soft purple under eyes. These months, it turns out, were lived in a body. My barber's left hand lifts a mirror behind me so I can inspect the work of his right, the pristine angles, fresh look. Exactly what you came here for, remember? For a moment, I'm a stranger approaching myself from behind. Hmm. I nod and my barber's left hand drops the mirror away then it's in with the right unknotting the cape. One last second to wait. I look the man in the eye and remind and remind and goodbye. I love how you've captured that. Especially that moment where they hold up the mirror at the back. Because you can never get that exactly right when you try to do it at home. <laughs> that's why I that's why I pay someone every six months. <laughs> so you get to see the back of your head. <laughs> <Just for that>. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that the use of the mirrors and the looking yourself in the eye and in the mirror of the car and the it's great. And trying to recognize yourself. Yeah. In the different states. Yeah, I mean I think it's I guess it's my thirties poem coming out of my twenties. I think I wrote it a few years ago. And like all that time I had to think and reflect on my life that suddenly disappeared yeah and uh and then yeah honestly realizing i hadn't looked at myself for <laughs> a few months <laughs> and recognize yourself in that as that new person yeah and certainly not spend the time to just actually you know look and engage and reflect 
Yeah. So, is that, is that a process you like going to the barber and uh, that whole? Is it a full on thing where you get your? <laughs> well, I don't get the shave, as you can shave, tell. Yeah. Um, no, I mean it's it's pretty quick and you know male barber shop mm-hmm. thing. You no say, towels. You on say the seven face. words in total the whole time. And, yeah. You know. Scalp but, massage. Uh, no, none of that. But I mean, it is like there's almost like I don't do anything for myself really in terms of like you know I don't get massages or anything. So there is a bit of that just time by yourself mm-hmm. to read a book or do whatever you're doing and relax while you're waiting and then so it's nice I don't know yeah, it yeah. Seems, I've had a good afternoon yeah it seems like that <laughs> is kind of uh, coming back though in a way that it uh, is yeah, yeah. Uh, male male oriented I guess it doesn't always have to be but barber shops yeah, yeah. and you go in and you get the whole thing because there's all the beard stuff and mustache and, yeah, yeah. or people are more um into their looks and that oh, I want to say pedicure it's not a pedicure but they're ma- or a manicure but just the whole facial hair yeah, yeah, yeah. F- phenomenon happening I guess you're shaping and trimming yeah yeah well, I've, I've identified though with the like saving money I think I get my hair cut less than twice a year I think yeah. I get my hair cut about every eight months yeah so. Well, so when you have longer hair I think you can get a my wife goes I think it's annually yeah yeah can, but but yeah I agree it's come I think generally any places secular places we can come together and socialize there's so few especially in a city like this you know that mm-hmm. that when you find those alternative spaces if it's a yoga studio or whatever I, I feel like that's so much of what makes these different trends boom is you know churches have gone away and how am I ever going to see and spend time with people and have moments of reflection in my life you know mm. so the barbershop is a bit one of, a, of the places you get it yeah yeah and there are a lot more than like you said uh, so let's chat a little bit about uh, one of the reasons I was hoping to have you on the show. I'm glad you're here. It's just uh, I see your name popping up all over the place involved with poetry. Um, what's something that you are working on right now? Oh, lots of lots of things. I'm, all, I'm still doing like in the community. I The main thing I do is I run the Dead Poets Reading Series in uh, every second Sunday of every odd numbered month <laughs> out of the Vancouver Library. And we've been doing that for eight years or so and we're still going strong with that so that's the big thing and then just little events here and there we had a fundraiser for the LPDA frame last month that raised a few thousand bucks which was nice I'm st- I think I'm still the only BC writer who's ever been sent partly because of that extra expense partly because BC writers don't necessarily know about the residency there mm-hmm. and so they don't get as many applications so we really wanted to raise some money from BC so that they had to feel really guilty about not sending enough BC poets. <laughs> so I think we we helped with that. It's it's funny too because his wife lives in Victoria half the year. Um, Jean Baird, who organize, who runs the entire A-Frame, lives in Vancouver, uh, and, and I'm here. And so there's lots of people who support the that residency, but uh, just not enough. Keep applying, people, uh, poets out there who are listening, and. Uh, uh, so that's another big thing. I I, I could just go on. Yeah. For half when an did hour you do the residency? Um, oh, my son was he learned to crawl there. So that I think two years ago, around two years ago now, it was and it was in April actually because there wasn't supposed to be any snow and we arrived to uh, just piles of snow and the place isn't heated at all. There's just mm. a lot. There's just like there it wasn't. They've apparently they made all these changes to improve. Your it fundraiser after, after they almost killed my child, my baby. <laughs> then they're like, we better make some adjustments. So now there's baseboard heaters apparently. But uh, yeah, we arrived to snow and one log that had been split in four pieces, and they were just like, good luck. Oh wow. <laughs> and, 
and my wife, she injured her knee within the first week, so she couldn't, like, move or do anything. So it was good. I got a very authentic... Octarian uh, experience. experience in the wilderness. Yeah, yeah. Um, were you working on anything in particular at the time, or just kind of, let's plop down and try to write? Yeah, I was... It was, well, they'd already moved it because I was supposed to go just when my wife was supposed to have the baby, which was bad planning on our part, I guess. And so I had actually communicated to them that I wasn't going to be able to go at all. It was the saddest email I'd ever written in my mm. life. And then within a couple of days, they said, no, no, we'll find a space. So they pushed me ahead a season kind of. So so I didn't have a set plan. I worked on a few short stories. But then one of them that happened was my second book was picked up very early in the residency. And I was like, oh, and so then I just got to work on really, really intensely for about a month and a half on the edits for that book. So that was that was nice serendipity. It gave me more than enough work to do. Yeah. And then last time we had you on, that book had just come out and you were doing your launch, I think, the very next day yes, at the Wise Hall. Yes, I think Hall. that was true, yeah. Yeah, and the poem that you read today is that one that has been written in between because you have a book coming out soon. I don't have a poetry book coming out soon, but uh, I have a manuscript that's finished and that's going around, so you know, uh, hopefully relatively soon. Um, yeah. And this manuscript is things that I've written since that book, but also before that book, because that book was created. I wrote a poem a week during my wife's mm -hmm. pregnancy with our son. And so that just happened very intensely in a nine month period. And I had five years of poems before that and the poems that I've written since then. Wow. So there's a lot. My, for my last general collection was 2011. So this one probably won't, probably won't come out till 2020 at least. So that's a big space mm -hmm. so it's it's poems that and that's what the structure of the book at this point is at least is it's moving from being a kid and, and a young person who had time to look in the mirror other than a barbershop up to <laughs> up to adding my you know my wife to my family and, and my son and and that kind of movement and just thinking about family and how mm -hmm. it grows and shrinks and changes so that book was the news about your yes. yeah, um, and what was what have you because you had something published just yeah I did just have a book come out I had these two small projects both of which I weren't really didn't feel like they were book length projects to me and I sent them both to different publishers and they decided that they were book length projects so I ended up with two books that neither of which was really uh, planned in that sense to be a book um, and this one is it's called Oh Not So Great Poems from the Depression Project it's um it's a medical research project, actually, based out of UBC. Um, some doctors uh, talked to me about it. They wanted um, a tool that could uh, enhance empathy in physicians. They wanted to look at whether poetry could be used as a tool to enhance wow. empathy in physicians. And they started with depression as their kind of focus point because... Um, it's something that's very misunderstood and stigmatized and something that doctors face a lot. And it also, uh, when doctors diagnose depression, they use just a nine-point questionnaire. So they ask you fairly personal questions. You, you give an answer, you know, on a one-to-four scale kind of. They check a box, they add up a total, and then you get medication or you don't. You're stamped depressed or non-depressed. Mm -hmm. And if it's the wrong doctor, not the wrong doctor, but a doctor who's not in a, you know, good headspace about it is administering it, it can be very dehumanizing. So they wanted to look at ways to kind of re- Humanize that um, those nine categories. Mm. So, oh, it started I think six years ago the project. And what we did was, they had focus groups of people living with depression. I sat in on those focus groups. Um, I took notes as we were doing it, but there was also a transcript made of them. And then I wrote poems based off of those wow. discussions. So some of them are found poems. So every word in the poem is from um, things that people said in the transcripts. Some of them are poems of my own devising. That was another thing we were looking at was. Not only could this work, but is it more effective if we do it, you know, one way or another? 
So. Well, I want to ask you how you got that gig, but can we also hear a poem from that project? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to start with the, do a poem now? Whichever. I'll give you a found poem. It's the poem the title comes from. Uh, and as I said, they're broken up into nine different sections. It's, um, to match those questions. To, to match oh, the criterias. Um, so the sections, I'm trying to see the full list here, are sadness, interest, appetite, sleep, uh, psychomotor retardation, energy, guilt, concentration, and suicidality. Um, so this is from the interest section, and it's the found poem. So every word in this is, isn't mine. I just did the arranging. It's called Since I Was a Very Young Child. I'm sure there's something chemical to it, but I feel sort of alien sometimes. I've got a different brain. I have been trained since I was a very young child. When people say, so how are you? Really, they want you to say, oh, I'm great. I'm sure there's something chemical to it, but when you say, oh, not so great, people go, I didn't want to hear that. I have been trained since I was a very young child. Everything I say, every smile, every, am I laughing too loud? Am I talking too much? I'm sure there's something chemical to it, but I am exhausted afterwards. I wish people would just be honest. I have been trained since I was a very young child. On the outside, we can all look peaceful. It's like there's a switch. I'm sure there's something chemical to it, but I have been trained since I was a very young child. Was that repeated line repeated in the in the, what you were listening to from that person, or no, did you? No, that you was took mine. That, yeah, yeah, it's a villanelle, the the form of the poem, right. so that that required the repetition. I found using traditional forms in a few of the poems was very helpful because yeah. that structure brings a rhythm into a, a rhythmic conversation, kind of. I didn't recognize it as a villanelle yeah. because I, well, it doesn't have the rhymes. Yeah, too, but which, that's okay. I mean, yeah. it's still a villanelle, but. I, I wrote a bunch of villanelles a few years ago for exactly that reason because the first villanelle I wrote was when I was watching them bomb um, after 9-11 oh, when geez. they started bombing yeah. and I was watching it living in New Mexico I had just moved there and I'd moved to this country where, and so it was my reaction to it and I just kept like you you repeat like I can't believe this is happening you know and so it just felt like the right form to do that kind of thing and then I got really into Villanelles for a while so <laughs> that's I, I totally get how that w would be a, those kind of forms would be good for that sort yeah. of writing and what's the question on the list of questions that is asked that prompted that oh the the interest question, I don't, we don't have the actual form included in the book, but it's something along the lines of, oh, oh, actually, no, here, I can tell you. The description of interest, which is the category it was in, according to the um, DSM-5, is markedly diminished interest or pleasure in all or almost all activities most of the day, nearly every day, as indicated by either subjective account or observation. So you just ask some question that tries to get at that, you know, how interested are you in whatever, and then, yeah. and then you'll circle one. I think in this version of it it's a yes no kind of question mm -hmm. um and then i think i think in this version of the questionnaire it's like there's the nine questions and then it's just if five of them were yeses or six of them were yeses and there's certain applications but there's different versions of the form one of which is made by the pfizer company so we tried to yeah. avoid <laughs> using that one because when you say trying to develop empathy you know, with that is it to alter the the style of the questioning or just to have the doctors kind of change their perspective because it feels like a nine-point form is an odd way to determine whether or not somebody 
has. I'm sure you know they've done yeah. t- over, over, and over again. Yeah, but yeah, it yeah. seems like that seems to be the Deficiency. not that intuitive. I don't Deficiency. know. Deficiency. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 this is not my side of the of the experience. You know, this is what the doctors were coming from. But I think what they always, what most of the doctors who we talk to, and since we've launched it, we've talked to more, you know, a wider mm-hmm. range of doctors. It's just that most people start from a place where they really want to connect with and help each patient, um, even if the procedure does have some mechanical elements to it. Um, but that after a while, you have so little time with each. It's like mm. the number, you're seven minutes or something, and you've got to go on to the next person, and you do oh, it really? over and over and over again. Yeah, to just to meet, like, oh, we, we still, you know, um, my mama took her a year to get to see a specialist for a condition she has right now, right, just in the last year. So, so they have tons of pressure on them, and you see so many people mm. that, um, they, it's that, that thing you started with when you were in medical school where you really were coming to help people is kind of, it's not that it's gone, but you can't access that anymore because you have to keep going. So, so even if you just have that little thing that lets you have a minute of conversation with the person before you dive into the questionnaire mm-hmm. or you embed the questionnaire questions into a larger conversation so that it doesn't feel like a questionnaire, right? Those little changes yeah. that can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. What you say at the end as you send them out the door, right? Um, and I think that's... You know that how it manifests in each person might change, but but those kinds of changes, I think, were what they were hoping for. And have any of those changes come about that they were? I mean, we we so know? it's a, it's an ongoing medical research project. Publishing the poems was kind of a midway part of the process. Our one of our goals was to get this into medical school curriculum, and we're still working on that, um, so that students were engaging with this in their second year of of, of training. Um, but we're also seeing it available, like doctors are taking it and reading it and having it available in their waiting rooms. We're finding one of the applications we should have anticipated, but we didn't think about it as a goal, was that it's people who've really connected with their people who are living with depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So having that experience before you go and have a conversation, you're sitting in the waiting room, you read through it, maybe that's going to help. But we're, like the book just came out, so we're not at the place oh, where see, there's okay. been any... Um, any research on that and we did a, we did we did one round of research where we gave the poems to people living with depression just to see if they reflected their experience and and they all scored like they they said yes i guess mm-hmm. well and when um, you read something like that like if you were reading that in a waiting room the one that you just read yeah. and you had depression or you weren't sure if you had and you felt alone you're like oh i feel that way oh oh i'm not the only one. oh you know like yeah, that's yeah. you know that making you feel less alone how yeah. did you get involved in this project um I had a friend from high school who was a doctor who was thought of the idea and then said, oh, yes, I have a friend who's a poet. It was, really wasn't nice. that much mm-hmm. more profound than How that. interesting. Um, yeah. Are you glad that you got... Yeah, it was um, a really difficult project. Um, there were lots of reasons why it took so long to happen. One of them was just, it's it's very artificial. Like, I wrote 27 poems kind of out of nowhere, they weren't. There wasn't my impulse that that wrote them, right. so that would take a while. And I I had experienced depression before the book came out, and I had I was in that position you're talking about. Like I didn't really talk mm-hmm. to anybody about it. I didn't. So, so that was an amazing part of this experience for me was getting to see these other people in the focusers who were talking about it very openly and very um, and with a lot of um, vulnerability that they they knew was important to show for the sake of the project so that helped me do that myself but it was also difficult to write it because you don't want to go back to that place you know so like to try mm. to, to do that over and over again so I kind of wrote it in bursts I would set aside a couple of days to be sad and stressed and 
and try to uh, create something, and then I would have to take a break from it for a while. But no, it was a great experience. The the the, the doctors are saying, okay, now what's the next? Uh, mm-hmm. Now we'll do anxiety or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, maybe wait a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we can get other poets to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You. No, exactly. We could probably make suggestions and from we've, conversations we've, we've put had the on call. Max Yeah, no. If people are, <laughs> if people, yeah, have if you've. Yeah, tell me the most anxious poet who's come in. I'm sure there's a long list of... Got some. uh, Yeah, yeah, we We won't do it on air, though. Um, (laughs) Oh, come on. Give the people what they want. No, not without (laughs) consent. Not without consent. Um, Do you have... um, You had this project that you did, started in April, that you just finished the BC Poetry Project? Yeah. So uh, that's on a... A blog that I run, rollofnickels.blogspot.com. Which is where you do interviews, right? I just, it's just a place where I throw whatever I have that I don't want to try to bother someone else to publish, you know? <laughs> um, and I've run it for oh, 12 years now, back when blogs existed. I mean, that's how you, well, like, nobody starts one now. They, spot. They, and they, it's yeah, a blog spot. Exactly. They have to be at least 10 years old. <laughs> Blogspot.ca.com. Yeah. Either one, any of them. You can put anything in it. It'll yeah. work. .eu. It's yeah. very exciting. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I started that three years ago when I was at the Alperti A-Frame um, because I had done, I had judged the BC Book Prize for poetry, the Dorothy Livesey Prize, uh, a couple years before that. And, like, I hadn't heard of some of the presses. Some of them I knew the press well, but I'd never heard a word about the book. Um, and I realized that maybe there's 15 books that, are going to reach even the ears of a very engaged listener in British Columbia. And there's 55 that come out every year. Like, that, at least that was that year. I don't know if it's gone up or down since then. So there was just this huge gap. And some of them weren't that great, but a lot of them were really good. And I just wanted to do something small that if people wanted and were interested in just engaging with this one little feed mm-hmm. over the year, mm-hmm. then they could see at least a good yeah. portion of those 55 and a lot more than were before. Um, in one place because we don't really have that doesn't exist right Um, even nationally now there were a few blogs when blogs were in their heyday who would kind of show the whole catalog of what was happening in the country but you you currently still just have to like go on each publisher's website Mm. and look up what's coming out and um, well, thank you for doing that. So, yeah. rollofnicholsblogspot.com, can, people can go yeah, and look at that. If you're on Twitter, you do hashtag BC Poetry 2018. Okay. Or 17 or 16 if you want to look up some old books. Okay. That's and, great. That's a great resource. So, yeah. you do all this stuff, like RC said, because you're doing all this stuff about poetry and supporting other poets. And yeah. I saw on your blog spot that you posted yesterday that you think that most people read who read poems or read poetry are other poets. But I, that you I would still keep doing it, even if you weren't a poet. You would still read poetry, and pretty sure it was you. It might have been. I often put quotes from other writers. So oh, that okay, might maybe have been it was somebody a quote else. From somebody then. else. What, but what did I? What did I say? Well, that was the thing: is that you <laughs> said that, um, that most of the time the people who are reading this or paying attention to it are other poets. Yeah. But that. If it, whether it was you or a quote from somebody else that said that if I wasn't writing poetry, I would still read poetry and be interested in poetry. And yeah, that's that's definitely true. I also believe so. Maybe it was no, words. but I also believe how people like people complain about how only poets read poetry, mm-hmm. and I have I have absolutely no problem with that. If what that means is more and more people are writing poetry, you know. Mm-hmm. I, like, wouldn't it be better if every person who watches the NFL goes out and plays touch football in the park? Yes. Like, that's yes, great. That's way better than just having spectators. Yes. So I have no 
problem with that. I, I, I would love there to be a larger readership for poetry, but if every one of them is a poet who's trying to, you know, write and be published, great. Well, thanks for saying that because that was why I brought it up. I wanted to know oh, okay. more about that. And do you, I really that, don't know if I said it. No, that is a really, <laughs> but that's, I really love that sentiment. Um, our guest today is Rob Taylor, and you're listening to him on Wax Poetic on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. And we're almost out of time, so let's get one more poem from you before we do run out of time. Goodness. And then we'll have our announcements of uh, events that we know of anyhow coming up. And uh, they'll be wrapped up for the day. All right. Um, I'll just do my uh, Vancouver poem, since I now live in Port Moody. (laughs) But I wrote it while I was in Vancouver. Um, And this is dedicated to the Costco across from... uh, (laughs) um, GM Place. Place. Is that what it's called? Not very far Rogers, Rogers. A few blocks from here. Yeah, back when I started my blog spot, it was GM Place. (laughs) It's called Vancouver. Sunday morning, the exodus upon us, washed and washed in the Costco parking lot. Lame-footed, commandeered carts quivering past, burdened by kilos of butter, black bean burgers in double-wide boxes, 1,100 baby wipes. Mm -hmm. Captains of all nations, directions, pizza pops supreme. No stream anymore, concrete above and below and between the battle of parking spot and pay machine to elevators haloed up. An arrow through the pale-faced slab, uh, slabs a p- pure man poured for urban star black jeans and combat protein pow- powder. Eventually, everything dies. Family becomes an act of attendance, a laying beside. O oh, Japanese apples, O oh, Peruvian pears, O oh, genuine leathers and flash drives, we're here. <laughs> Your Vancouver poem is about Costco. (laughs) Wow, you captured it. That's exactly why I don't go. The few times I've been, that's what it felt like. Wow. So what do you have? uh, Do you have any readings coming up uh, or anything like that? Um, Readings? No. um, I feel like... No, I do not have readings. We have the Dead Poets. The Mm. next one is in the second week of July, and we're going to announce the lineup soon. We have some really great lineups coming up for the next few um no i am i'm enjoying my summer i think finally after the madness mm. of, of april if uh, people want to get copies of your books where can they do that uh all the usuals the internet the the bookstores and local bookstores uh some of them have them on the shelf some of them you can get them ordered in within a day or two uh, your chapters is all those nice. various things. Yeah. yeah, and again, what's your website if people want to check that? If you want people to find you online, yeah. where do my they website's roblucastaylor dot com, and my blog, as we mentioned, was rollofnickels dot blogspot dot ca or com or whatever you want it to be. And you can link if you go to roblucastaylor dot com, it links into everything else. And dead poets reading. Um, if if people want to be like on the list or find out about the next one, well, how do they do that? So it's dead poetslive.com okay and uh, there's a if you go to the bottom of any page you're on there there's a little box you just type your email in and you're automatically added to the mailing list and all of these links are also on the Facebook post on the Wax Poetic page today saying that you were going to be on awesome so there you go
Uh, do you have any uh, know of anything you want to announce? Readings? Not off the top of my head. I might think of something once you start with what you got there. I uh, see that uh, Ibrahim Honjo, who has been a guest on this show, has a book launch coming up, the Silver Bow Launch, and the book is called The Sculpture of This Day, happening at the Renaissance Bookstore this evening at uh, 1900. What's that, 7 o'clock? Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. And uh, coming up on Monday at the Vancouver Poetry Slam, Al Mater, the minimalist uh, jug band, will be featuring at Cafe Disley. They're actually featuring in Victoria this evening. So if anybody is listening uh, on the island, uh, go to or yeah, head to Victoria for the Victoria Poetry Slam finals. And Al Mater is going to be featuring there. Um, coming up on June the 6th, this is a while away, at the book launch for a book called Hider Seeker. And that'll be at Cafe de Soleil Yeah, as it's well. Jen Curran's book. It's oh, a yeah. book of fiction, though, yeah. not poetry. It's like you have a book we'll of not poetry coming out, so there you go. Yeah, eventually. Not poetry. Isn't I that did, great I did, find it? I'm going to get in trouble. I forgot that I have a book launch. Oh, <laughs> there you go. The uh, second launch of Oh Not So Great will be happening in Coquitlam. So Good. Uh, June 23rd, 3 to 5 p.m. at the chapters in Coquitlam. So you didn't forget. We didn't run. I out remember of time. just in time. Yeah. I'm really glad to hear that Ibrahim has a new book coming out because I was wondering about him. I was putting my books on the shelf recently from the move, yeah. and came across a couple of the his books that he'd given me, and I was like, oh, I haven't heard anything about Ibrahim for a while. So there that's great. Yeah. Book launch tonight at Renaissance Books for Ibrahim awesome. Honjo. So stop uh, by. Uh, there you go. That's all the time we've got for today. Thanks for being our guest. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, it's always great. Uh, so I'm R.C. Weslowski. And I'm Pamela Bentley. And uh, next week we have Christy Lee Charles as our That's guest. That's right. The new uh, Vancouver new. Poet Laureate. Oh, so awesome. That should be exciting as well. Uh, but that's it for this week. And uh, No Apologies Necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what?